1: all right everybody welcome to the ggtmc we are back we are ready to talk about movies we are recording in the future in the year 2000 that's right that sounded good um but yeah we are we're recording in the future here so um yeah this week we got a couple fun films to talk about uh we're gonna be doing hail mafia sammy and todd by the way it always is uh (laughs) hell mafia from nineteen sixty five directed by raul, raul levy and super inframan or the inframan uh nineteen seventy five directed by Huashan. Huashan! it's a fun name to say mm-hmm. and uh that's what we'll be talking about we don't really have any voicemail because again we're recording in the future in other words two weeks ago <laughs> but uh um you know no voicemail this week uh from walter uh and no uh uh nothing to talk about what we've been watching because we we exfoliated and get all that out of our system uh last week so we're going to jump straight into it and get right to the meat of the show i don't have a hell mafia trailer so we're just going to have to go with the fact that we're doing hell mafia and that's just the way it is (laughs) yep uh this is an underseen movie i guess you could say it's very underseen considering there's no trailer yeah, uh, which is very rare when you go to the Googles or the YouTubes and you look for a trailer for a film and you mm-hmm. don't find one. That ought to that ought to tell you something. But uh, I only know one other person, and I don't even know this person. But I only know one other person that uh, is familiar with this movie, really, and uh, well, maybe two. I think Shiftless out there in uh, the West Coast, he knows it. Mm. Um, but uh, he's a bit of a a uh, movie adventurist. Uh, himself so but uh, joe Dante's the only other person i know who really talks about this movie at all um, but this is a uh, hail mafia directed by raul levy 1965 uh it's a french film also known as je vous salue mafia is that right oui okay we'll go with that uh stars one henry silva one jack klugman uh elsa martinelli's in here uh eddie constantine's in here uh, and Michael Lonsdale's in here. You probably won't even recognize him hardly, but,
2: uh, no, no, he's tough to pick out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, Cause he had a certain look as he got into his older years, typically the yes. goatee and the kind of long white hair. Yep. Um, uh, I don't know if Todd, if you'd ever seen this one or not, go back and talk about, uh, well, first of all, I love crime films and, uh, French crime films are interesting. Uh, we've talked about more than a few on the show. Uh, and, uh, I know you're a fan of the French crime genre but this is a little bit of a different take. So, uh what was your thoughts on uh, Hail Mafia?
2: All righty then. Uh I yeah, no, I had not uh, I had not seen this movie uh and had um no knowledge of it to be perfectly frank. Uh so it was uh, it was a pleasant little surprise. Um so the movie this falls I think in terms of production level uh about in line with uh with Alan Barron's uh Blast of Silence. Mm. Um it's yes. you know clearly it's clearly low budget. Uh it makes extensive use of narration, uh location shooting, and it absolutely L O V E S shadows uh in ways that um <laughs> you know straight Hollywood Noirs, uh or in this case neon, um, you know, would doll up uh you know low budget street level stuff like this. Uh they they really rub them in the grime.
0: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Um, you know, scenes uh shot in this movie even in daylight the character's faces are practically just pools of black or like really heavy gray whatever whatever you want to call it um there's a there's a a grit all over this film and it's pretty glorious uh it has this really nice grubby documentary feel in a lot of ways there's a lot of handheld photography a lot of natural lighting shots that aren't uh composed and are even a little bit out of focus um now some of the performances kind of shatter that being a little bit wooden, hmm. uh, but others, especially the uh, the three leads—Constantine, uh, Silva, and Klugman—more uh, than make up for that. In fact, if anything, I would say that uh, Constantine can't quite match the other two. Yeah, uh, but that's that's just me. Maybe <laughs> it's it's
1: interesting. Eddie Constantine was a pretty big deal at this time, right? Uh, right. But uh, Klugman and Silva kind of overshadow him in this. As a matter of fact, he's, well, he's, he's, he's he secondary. Off
2: as, he's, he's more old-fashioned, where yeah. the other two are like much more young Turks and like looser on screen.
1: Yeah, which is a weird thing to say about Jack Klugman out loud. Right. Because our generation knows Jack Klugman for two roles. Yes. Uh, Odd Couple and uh, Quincy, I would say, yeah. are the yep. two. I'm sure you probably watch both shows
2: i absolutely did I still would <laughs>
1: yes I, yeah I, I quite loved quincy when i was a kid because it would come oh, yeah. on late at night the reruns would play it like uh, after the news and i would stay up late to watch quincy and that uh that's a, that's a bit of a sammy trivia there
2: i always got a kick out of the uh the the portion of the uh, the credits for quincy where he's putting lotion on the chick on his boat
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. I just got a kick out
2: of that. A, yeah. <laughs> it was a
1: it was a strange intro, that intro.
2: Yeah, right? <laughs> uh so yeah. Uh so yeah, uh this movie, I mean you could easily I think mistake this for something made in like the forties or fifties. Yeah. Um but it being an indie in the sixties, uh I think it bears certain hallmarks. So yeah, there's there's a lot of uh handheld shots, like I said. In fact, most of the movie is shot that way. Uh going back to the you know, the documentary vibe. There are zooms Uh, there are shots that could almost be called psychedelic here and there. Yeah. Um, there's a, a French cover of house of the rising sun. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but much of, much of the score is a swing and jazz music and that's like the style portion of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, so that's the, that's how you can tell that this wasn't made way back when. Uh, so as a matter of, of, uh, film noir, uh, the story and the characters are very frank. Um, so Klugman talks about uh, a botched abortion. Uh, Micheline, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Presley's character is used for sex and she knows it. It's part of her job. do film gets to a femme fatale character. Yeah. Uh, though she doesn't quite fully fit the mold. Uh, same as Elsa Martinelli's character. Um, and the movie, I think, is very much concerned with the nuts and bolts of the whole operation in a very stark fashion. Uh, you know, things like this give the... Uh, the characters and the uh, the story uh, uh, sort of um, gutter level uh, sort of believability, um, and again that was one of those things where you know we were kind of moving away from uh, the uh, we were moving into I should say the more uh, independent independent uh, aspects of uh, the film industry, right. uh, and yet the movie uh, the not the movie the uh, the story um, is uh, is very straightforward. It's you know you guys go kill this guy. Uh, and of course things are going to wind up, you know, poorly for at least one or two of these characters, if not all of them. Uh, you know, in fact, I'm, I'm sure there are those who would and can, uh, compare this to, uh, uh, DeLeo's, uh, hired to kill, uh, AKA the Italian connection. Yeah. Um, so the film, uh, which also, you know, Silva again, mm-hmm. uh, so the film is still mired, uh, I think in the, uh, the fatalism of, uh, of Noir. Uh, and in the idea of the the, uh, the past imposing on the present, but the context obviously I think is different. Um, you know these characters aren't aren't coming home from a very popular war and finding themselves lost like we would have back in the uh, the late '40s. Uh, you know these these characters are very cynical,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and this is around the time of the uh, the civil rights marches in America and Vietnam was in full swing. And you know naturally part of the uh, the plot itself deals with the uh, the Valacci testimony in 1963. Uh, which we you know covered uh, the Velaji papers not too long ago Yeah. Uh, so the the uh, the, Klugman and the and the and the Silva characters they fall more in the sort of counterculture pigeonhole even though they're very professional and wear suits to work in mm. fact i would suggest uh <laughs> that you could look at the film as a conflict between uh the old in constantine and the new in the other two right um so that being said you know uh Clugman and Silva, I think, are really great together on screen, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we spend a hell of a lot of time with them. They're almost an odd couple. See what I did there? Yeah. Uh, But they're still, you know, they're still kind of work wives in a way. Yeah. Though there's there's this there's there's also there's this um, uh, undercurrent that this relationship could go tits up at any moment. Yeah. Teat. Uh, Teat's up. Teat. Teats we, they, this thing could go off teet at any moment <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah <laughs> klugman's K- Klugman does this really great hangdog sarcastic ugly american shtick, uh and that conflicts with the uh, with silva's button down methodical uh you know nature um, but these two guys are very compelling, especially as a duo uh and one of the more interesting things between the two is how they define honor. Uh, which is, you know, uh, kind of defined by their demeanors and more importantly, I think maybe their reputations. Yeah. Um, I, I won't, you know, get into the details of that because that would take some of the magic away from the performances and how they work together. Mm -hmm. Uh, but this is the currency, uh, of their world aside from, you know, actual money. Yeah. Um,
1: it's interesting. It's a kind of a, it's kind of a bromance. Uh, yeah
2: but uh, but it's not but it is yeah. but
1: yeah it's not but it is and it's an interesting uh it, it really is the strength of the movie is the interaction between klugman and silva yeah. uh constantine's he's fine in what he's doing and everything else but really well, he's
2: also kind of pushed to the back burner for yeah, a lot of it
1: uh, but silva and klugman are really center stage here and i was really surprised how much silva's center stage here i i remember watching it a long time ago and i remember thinking you know i mean they tried to make a star out of henry silva they they uh he had a unique look you know we've talked about him before on the show he has the look of a heavy he's done a lot of heavy roles uh over the years um but i think you know at one point they were trying to make him a bit of a star with this and johnny cool and those are back to back uh his first film that i'm aware of i believe was viva zapata and a lot of times he would play um uh, this you know sounds terrible to say but it's the truth he would play Asian characters or Mexican characters a lot, uh, because Hollywood didn't really know what to do with his face. Right. Uh, because he was a, uh, he was a mixture himself. I think he's Portuguese, Puerto Rican and American, uh, Caucasian. Uh, I think he's a mix of those. If I'm, I, I could be wrong about that, but I think that's what he is, uh, as far as his genetics go and stuff. So he has a very unique face, right? And, uh, and it's a unique bone structure and stuff. But you can see the Henry Silva that you know from the 70s in here. You can see it with the swagger that we've joked about on this show before, the Silva swagger. He's got this certain kind of walk. Uh, there's a great scene where he's walking through a train station and stuff. Hmm. And Klugman is interesting, too. He's really good in this movie, uh, Jack Klugman. He oh, he's was, fantastic. Yeah, he was a really good actor. Uh, he just you know, found his niche in, uh, yeah, in TV it more totally than easy. Yeah. Um, but them two together, you wouldn't think on the, on paper that it would make for this kind of riveting relationship, but it's quite good. The conversations they have with each other, uh, how they talk to each other and everything else you can get, you almost get this, you know, we talk about this a lot with these modern filmmakers, like your Quentin Tarantino's and your people like that who have these hitmen or these crime, uh, related characters who have this kind of jovial kind of vernacular with each other these kind of right. conversations and stuff right. and you get a lot of that here i mean i i i got that vibe you know the suits the yep. uh the talking to each other about you know where you're from what you've been doing stuff like that i mean it, it really kind of brings home that these guys are doing a job mm-hmm. and uh there's a day-to-day to it and everything else and i, I like the i liked all that stuff quite a bit i like the especially like the scene with them in the hotel room yeah yeah it's a well lot of I think fun.
2: that's that is absolutely um one of the big reasons that this picture works is because of its its procedural nature it's it's so um,
1: it's definitely a French crime film, right?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so ensconced in the everyday minutiae of these hitmen. You really feel invested in them, whether, you're, whether you agree with them or want to see them succeed or not. And it's almost, you know, speaking of French crime film, it's almost Melvillian. It very much uh, is, yes. In this sort of regard, though here it's – it's um, it's there's a difference in that. I think it's it's detail-revealing character rather than describing a plan. It feels looser. Well,
1: yeah. Well, I think Melville's more fetishistic. Like he's more into the minutia of the crime film and the well, right, preparation.
2: But saying, but, what, the, right, but that's what I'm saying. Is that is that this is the minutia of characters? That's the minutia of a uh, plan. You know yes, what I'm saying? Yes, it's like yeah, yeah. It, there's, it, it's still the same thing, but it's coming at it from, from slightly different angles. Yeah, yeah so I see what it, you're it saying. It feels it feels it feels looser while still being extraordinarily detailed. And I think that this follows into the sequence. Where uh, Constantine has prepping everything for his showdown. Mm. Okay. So, you know, we love, we as an audience love the setups for stuff like this, or just in general, because you don't yeah. always know how it's going to go. Right. You know, especially in independent films where filmmakers, you know, are, aren't as uh, precious oftentimes as, you know, about certain uh, cliches. Uh, and how this, this plays out then, I think, really defines uh, what this movie's about. It's actually pretty damn clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as having you know reams of existential desperation uh going on uh in in my opinion um but yeah no i was uh i was really uh, i was impressed with this thing um right. and i gotta say that you know uh i can i could see why joe dante uh talks about it uh because it's uh, it's something that's you know i think that more people should absolutely seek out and uh and track down and, and watch yeah uh because it just it works and it works really really well yeah um but that's that's pretty much all that i have uh as far as notes on it go. you know
1: we when we started the show i don't think will and i back in the day ever thought that henry silva and european crime films would ever be such a big part of the show right um but over the years obviously it's become a very big part of the show and Silva's kind of, for me anyway, uh, kind of synonymous with European crime films. I mean, not just Italian crime films, but French crime films. And he did some Australian crime films. I mean, he just fits in with these, with this element so well. Um, and uh, it's it's great to go back and look at these sometimes, especially these ones that people don't really see that often. And, uh, you know, this is one that I wish would get a at least a really good DVD release. Yeah, yeah uh, it really does deserve it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm happy that uh, you enjoyed it because I was looking for something a little off the beaten path. Um, we hadn't done anything that, you know, as, as a podcast, you know, our little audience, uh, you know, I, I try to champion stuff, kind of try to make things, you know, as much as I can, obviously, or as much as we can, kind of get stuff out there that people may have not seen or may be criminally underseen. You can say it however you want to say it, but... There are so many films out there that people don't even know about. Um, A lot of it can be for any number of reasons. Some of it can be because folks don't look past their youth. So, you know, if you're the age of me and Todd, you don't look much past the 70s. Um, But some of it can also be as much of a a film history buff as you are. You're never going to be the film history buff that uh, Joe Dante, Leonard Maltin, uh, and some of these folks are. These guys see everything. So, so, so it's interesting to me that, like I said, I think the only other person I've ever heard mention this movie is, uh, Joe Dante. I read it in an interview or something. I think one time, uh, that he mentioned it and it had a profound effect on him, uh, when he saw it. So, and I thought, well, I need to make a list of that and check it out. And I remember checking it out at some point, maybe even before we did the show, but it's just funny that, uh, Silva's become such a big part of, um, of everything that we've done on the show. And when I think of crime films, he's one of the first actors I think of, uh, he just, uh, he's always, he always is, but that's not to take away. Like we said, from Jack Klugman, who's really, really good in this movie, uh, plays a really great character, uh, kind of disheveled. Uh, he wants to be better than what he is. Uh, he wants to be the best. Um, and then, uh, you got the cool character of, of, uh, Silva playing Shaft here. That's a great name, obviously. And, uh, and then, you know, the Eddie Constantine is the heavy. I think they could have used a little more of him in the movie, to be honest. Um, he's a bit of a wet fish sometimes in a couple spots, in my opinion, but uh he's really good yeah, when he is on screen stuff. And this movie, I think, it has it has that pacing that I like. We get to know the characters. I mean, this is a very simple story. Two hitmen. Oh, yeah. Go uh, go out to solve a problem that the mob has. Yep, that's that's the story in a nutshell. Boom, there you go. But what was great about European crime films in the '60s and the '70s was they would take these things and extend them. And then, of course, you know later on, you got filmmakers like uh, Tarantino and people like that who would prob- who had probably seen some of this stuff on video or whatever and have kind of accentuated upon that these charismatic crime guys uh these characters you don't mind hanging out with you wouldn't commit these crimes probably at least most people wouldn't but you don't mind hanging around these fellas you know there's a there's a escape to it an escape to being around these hitmen and these terrible people uh and of course these two guys are dapper and i like that i really like the scene in the hotel with the towels i guess i'm guessing that uh silva's character is some type of uh germaphobe or something yeah. Uh I don't know what it means. It's just a little moment, but it's a great moment. Hey, room service. Can I get some towels? Uh Henry Silva impersonation. That
2: was a good one. Uh,
1: yeah. I'm from New York. Uh <laughs> he's got a lot of, he's got some good lines in here though. Uh unfortunately I didn't write any of them down, which is you know, par for the course for me, but uh but I think the interaction between them two is at the heart of this movie and it's it's one of those things where you just you see it on paper klugman and silva and you think does that work and yeah it works in spades it works really well actually and uh it makes me wish they would have worked together more it certainly makes me wish klugman would have made more films like this i don't know how many crime films i saw klugman make and once he became kind of a tv star i don't feel like he made a lot of films where he played uh more of a gray area character seems to me like he was always the white hat after that uh i think quincy in particular really made him a a white hat character i'm sure he had a quite the film career i mean he was around for a while
2: mm-hmm.
1: i always kind of remark and and think about the fact that him and charles bronson were best friends how about it yeah you just say henry jack klugman and charles bronson hanging out playing cards think about that a hey, uh, jack uh, Get him more sausage, <laughs> Jackie. You got any liver? Oh, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it's uh, it's just fun to think about him doing that stuff. Now he did, like I said, he did a lot of stuff. He he was not a Klugman was not a, uh, n- you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A reclusive actor. He was around a bit, but film. It seems like yeah. he was more TV than yes. film. Um uh, and I'm looking through his filmography right now, and I'm definitely right about that. There is a ton of television in here. <laughs> and he was all over TV when me and you were growing up. So oh, yeah. um it does have some uh some odd tone. The score has some weird tones at the moment, but it also has that there's another element to it that I really like. These uh it, it almost feels uh Bernard Herman in some ways, or there's this jazziness to the score that I like. Um it's kind of hip but it's also kind of weird at times like you said that french version of house of the rising sun that kind of comes out of nowhere but yeah. you can kind of sense that you know modern filmmakers have seen this
2: well 100% Tarantino because they're sitting there they're commenting on it
1: yeah they're commenting on what's going on on the radio so i mean that's yeah
2: which would which would have been current yeah and that's so.
1: a that's a very pivotal thing to modern cinema because for a long time movies didn't do that kind of thing right uh, they would tend to comment on stuff from the past or maybe or maybe uh, you know postulate on things from the future but they wouldn't actually comment on what was actually going on at the moment like a pop song right it didn't happen a lot so it's it's really kind of a nice little moment and i you know i again i think this movie is paced really well it 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 kind of moves a little slow in spots but once klugman and silva get together with that great train sequence they 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 set up that and And once they spend the time in the hotel and then once they travel to their final destination, it all pays off really well. There's this great scene that might as well have been shot on like the Moors in England, like the Hound of the Baskervilles or something. And with sound and very limited dialogue, they do a really great job of, of the pacing of this thing. And there is a twist at the back end of this movie that I think is legitimate and pays off for real. And it isn't, it isn't like a John Woo, like romantic hitman type thing. It's more of a real, this is the job. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. So it's kind of, it's kind of yep. like this mix of Woo and Melville and you know, which, you know, obviously Woo is very, I mean, Woo loves Melville, right? I mean, that's probably his most influential filmmaker. I would say he's, he mentions him in almost every interview he's ever done. Um, But you get, you get that sensibility here. You get that that French crime drama sensibility here of heartbroken sensibility, but not romanticism as much. That's I think that's something that Melville and Wu had more. They were more in tune with the romanticism of the thing, whereas I think this is more of a matter-of-fact type story. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I think it's a really uh, great little quirky film. I think that more folks should see it, and I hope somebody... You know that you know listens to this podcast or listens to or reads that interview with Joe Dante or whatever. I hope somebody. I, mean, I think it got a release at some point on DVD, but I mean the print I watch. If you watch the print on YouTube, be prepared; it's very washed out. Uh, in other words, when it's daylight, it is incredibly daylight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and when it's dark, it's pretty murky. Uh, you'll get the vibe of the movie. I think you can. Uh, it's a serviceable. You can watch it. And I'm sure there's other ways to get it. I, I mean, this is the days of the Internet, so we know there's other ways to get it. But uh, I can't recommend uh, this movie enough. It's not a masterpiece, but I think it's a really solid genre movie that if you like crime films and you like Henry Silva uh, and and you like those kinds of things, uh, I don't think you can go wrong with this one. So I'm glad you dug it. It makes me feel good when I introduce you to something, as I'm sure it does for you when you introduce me to something. It is a nice feeling, uh, and part of the reason why we do this podcast is to introduce folks to things that uh, you know we cherish. And uh, I think this is an important movie. I think it's a forgotten movie and a forgotten gem. And I'm glad we had a chance to talk about it.
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you.
1: I'll kick it off uh, for Maker Breaks MBTs.
2: righty. let's sew this bad boy up. Uh, Maker Break uh, is going to be um, Klugman's introduction. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so as much as the excellent opening scene sets up the atmosphere of the movie, uh, this particular scene uh, really lets you know that this isn't strictly amateur, uh, and that the people behind and in front of the camera mean business. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. Uh, MVT. I think that as much as you know, Levy's grim and sort of uh, textured approach defines the movie. Uh I'm going to have to go with the uh the Silva Clugman team up. Yeah. Um I don't know that this would work quite as well with weaker or even different performances mm-hmm. uh from 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 different actors. Um and uh, yeah, they they really do they really do just kind of mesh uh wonderfully well. Uh and score for me. Um hmm, I'm going to go 7.5 out of 10. Nice. Um yeah, I'm really happy to have seen this one. Uh it definitely flies under the radar for most cinephiles. Uh it certainly flew under mine. Um I think it has, you know, it has a few pacing issues here and there, but yeah, yeah. you know, I think that it should absolutely uh be on the list for uh for any fan of uh, of crime cinema. Yeah. 100%.
1: Yeah, and and yeah
2: i would love to see somebody uh take this thing and, and give it a some kind of a, a decent release yeah
1: yeah i mean it'd be nice if one of the boutique labels out there and stuff would uh you know if any of those guys that you know list that put those things out listen to the show yeah look look into this one see if you guys can uh but it would uh, at least the prints i've seen it would take some work uh, this is available to rent though on amazon prime we should say i mean i i know we uh talk about this sometimes and stuff but amazon prime tends to have these kind of more quirky hard to find movies uh you, you can rent it you can't stream it it's not a prime type thing but uh it is a uh, it is on amazon uh, if you want to watch it on there so like a dollar 99 or whatever standard definition but it you know it's still it's it's seeable and of course you know obviously i know people are crafty enough out there that they don't even have to pay money to see stuff nowadays and of course you could always watch it on youtube so true there's true. that um yeah my make or break scene i'm gonna go with the scene with uh uh i like the hotel scene a lot i really do okay. i like uh it's quite long um but so there's a lot of little moments in there but i really like the scene where klugman's kind of talking and kind of getting stuff off his chest to Silva while silva's in the bathtub it's both uh a cool scene and an awkward scene <laughs> i don't know if i would go into the bathroom and hang out with uh, henry silva in the bathtub maybe i would uh, probably if you listen to this podcast, you probably think I would. As a matter of fact, I'd die I, think to, would, yeah. I think I'd die to do that probably, but, <laughs> um, you know, he's just kind of hanging out in the bath and stuff, but I like those moments because they're kind of laughing with each other. You know, they're telling each other stories. They're getting to know each other. There's a friendship developing, or at least some kind of relationship developing, which makes the end of the movie that much more poignant, I think. Right. So right, right, right. I think it's really good. Uh, I agree with you. It's hard for me to give the MVT to a singular person in this because Klugman and Silva together make such a great team it's kind of like strode and and silva and italian connection i mean it's it's just silva was always really good at playing a lone wolf but he was also really good at being somebody's partner yeah um i just don't think you know enough people give him credit for being the the actor that he is or that he was at one point he doesn't really worked in 20 something years and he's still around uh ripe old age of 92 um but about it, it, Yeah, but it's uh, it's really a shame that, you know, he's mostly known for these heavies because I think the guy was a really good actor. I mean, he really was, and I know Klugman was. I mean, I loved Klugman growing up. I mean, he was a big part of my childhood, so I think he could really nail comedy and seriousness in the uh, same scene. That's what I think about when I think about Quincy. It could be funny, but at the same time, it could be grim. It was a strange show, really, when you think about it, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of pre-CSI uh, type thing. Um, But, yeah, the lotion rubbing, that's uh, interesting. Uh, my score is exactly the same as yours. It's 7.5. I think nice. this movie is underseen. Uh, I think folks should definitely check it out if they get a chance, especially if you like French crime films, like I said, and Henry Silva in particular, or if you just like Jack Klugman, or if you like Eddie Constantine. I know he's supposedly the star, quote-unquote, of this movie because he was pretty big at the time it came out. But I promise you that Silva and Klugman end up still the show. So uh, yeah, that's our thoughts on uh Hail Mafia. So we're gonna take a short break. Uh, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about Super Inframan. We'll be back right after this.
0: 超人? 是,
1: Might be one of the best trailers we've ever played and we ever will play uh,
2: if that doesn't make you want to see the movie,
1: I don't know what will. <laughs> if there's no English and uh then there's nothing but kicks and punches. You can't ask for yep. much more than that, right? And
2: explosions. Yeah.
1: All right. So we are talking about uh Super Inframan or Inframan, also known as Song Gao Oh, Ren. <laughs> it's easy for I, you.
2: Yeah, so. it
1: was not. Um this is from uh nineteen seventy and five. So, this movie's almost yep. as old as us. Uh, Princess Dragon Mom and her mutant army have arisen, <laughs> and only Emperor Man can stop them. <laughs> so, this is directed by Shan Hua, yeah. uh, written yeah. by Kwang Ni, and stars one Danny Lee and Terry Liu, as well as uh, one of the Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, Bruce La. Uh, he's in here. Um, there's a few other folks in here uh, you might know from various kung fu and shaw brother films um i know there's some faces i realized uh but uh i couldn't tell you the names unless i looked through the credits to be honest with you i know that's sad but i'm not that type of i'm not that deep of an uh an asian film uh maybe fanatic that i can just rattle names off uh sometimes (laughs) uh you pick this one so i'll jump in here and uh you know this has got first of all it's got a great tagline Okay, the man behind the uh, beyond bionics, I should say, the man beyond bionics. So this comes at a time when uh, I would say, was the the bionic man, was he on TV at this point? I guess he was. I do believe. Probably. So uh, there was that hot (laughs) moment in the 70s when bionics was a thing, remember? I'm sure you do, because you lived through it. Oh, who doesn't? (laughs) Yeah. You're yeah, running. it
2: was from uh, seventy three to seventy eight,
1: six yeah. million dollar man. So there you go. So you had that hot moment in the seventies where that, eh, 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 you know, that uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the <laughs> we sound like Chevy Chase putting on uh, in Caddyshack. But well, there's
2: a reason. Yeah.
1: So the uh, there was that moment when uh, that was a thing, and like so many things in pop culture, usually if it translates well into other cultures, they will kind of harp on it or they'll try to mm. make some coin off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know if the inferman or super inferman is that, but certainly the bionics uh tagline is definitely that. They uh I don't know if this is you may know more about this than I do Todd, but I don't know if this is uh based on an anime, based on a manga, <laughs>
2: Nice. It is not okay. uh it is actually it's it, what it is is um this is basically uh Shaw Brothers' attempt at a, a Japanese tokusatsu movie uh along the lines of like ultraman or Johnny Soko and his flying robot uh, and tokusatsu were basically called there i believe it translates roughly to special effects uh movies and uh, certainly t v shows uh and you know it's uh it's one of those things that uh, is is extraordinarily uh japanese uh it just in and of itself it was created more or less by AG Supaiya uh after his uh his work on the uh, the Godzilla movies yeah uh, kind of, when he kind of branched into his own his own little his own little niche so That's but funny. as far as it being as far as it being like actually based on anything to the to the best of my knowledge new no. it is yeah. its own its own thing even though it's 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 cribbing off of uh it's cribbing off of a whole lot of other stuff. So
1: that's what's one of the most interesting things about this movie is it is, it feels when you first watch it and if you don't look at the cast and you don't know anything about it, you're going to think, Oh, this is a Japanese kaiju film right?" Uh, with like an Ultraman type character in there. But the, the pivotal thing to remember here is this is a Chinese film, right? Yes. And yeah. this is a Chinese take on almost a Japanese cultural, Initiative. Right. It seems like, and right, so it, right. it has its and, and, own and, and unique and, flavor. Well,
2: that that's the thing is that you know, of course, with it being Chinese in origin, it, it takes all the things about uh the Japanese tokusatsu genre or subgenre or whatever. Uh, it takes them and it, it amplifies the elements uh that Chinese action or exploitation cinema always amplifies. So, like the uh, the she demon character, who's played by a, a woman, a, the singularly named Dana. Um, <laughs> yes she has she has an outfit uh that threatens to you know expose her boobs at any given moment uh and she looks like she's going to studio fifty four yeah uh and you know the violence uh while it's still very much cartoonish uh you know i would argue is more visceral and mean uh and i, I again i point to uh the she demon character and, and her demise or the the uh, the demise of the uh the bug creature uh mm-hmm. in this movie yeah uh but meanwhile um uh, you know like on the opposite end uh it, it downplays stuff uh that the uh, that the uh, the japanese um uh, uh genre would uh, would play up so it, it downplays stuff like the annoying children characters i mean yeah they're they're still here and, and you know there's still more hindrance than help uh but they're really just kind of bodies uh to be placed in harm's way and that's i think kind of part of the beauty here i think is that you know this movie. It takes the insanity of the, the tokusatsu genre and makes it all a little more appealing to audiences other than the kiddies, uh, while still kind of maintaining the spirit of the,
1: the of that uh, that type of thing. I yeah. think that
2: that kind of is is where this movie kind of lies at the end of the day.
1: Bruce lies. The yeah uh, ooh. ooh zing! I'll be here all week. The uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I saw this movie uh, quite a bit growing up. I I, I I it was on TV. Um there's some things about it I remember and some things I don't. Um obviously I remember the Inframan suit quite well. I remember the plant monster quite a bit. Yeah. Oddly, I don't remember the Dana character as much, the uh nearly s cuppeth spilleth over boob lady. Uh uh-huh. I don't remember her as much. Uh, But maybe I wasn't paying attention to that too much when I was, because I would have saw this when I was very little. So maybe I hadn't crossed over into that, you know, into that world yet.
2: It's entirely possible, sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, because, you know, obviously, you know, we're both, you know, men of a certain age. So we can both remember what it's like, as most boys do, men do. You know, you you go from. your first boner. Yeah. You go from being this guy that's interested, this little kid that's interested in these things to all of a sudden being like, whoa, wait a minute. Almost saw that. <laughs> and then that becomes a an obsession. Um yeah. uh be it uh boobs or be it whatever you want it to be. Uh possibly in my case it might have been uh, ripoffs of faces of death. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm a sick twisted pervert anyway. So yeah.
2: there's that. There's uh that.
1: this one's got Danny Lee in here. Now Danny Lee is uh synonymous with me and uh John Woo. Um for yes. the killers. Yes. Which is, you know, m- it, it It's more my preferred john Wu film I, I i like the romanticism of the killer I, I think it's I abs- love the killer yeah, I think it's absolutely ridiculous in a lot of ways, but I think it's
2: not uh, as overblown as hardboiled even though I like hardboiled yeah. to a tremendous degree as yeah. well
1: I don't like hardboiled as much as some I do like it I do not like it as much as some, but I do love the killer quite sure. a bit and uh, some of his other films but the killer is where I always is if it's my if there's a love letter to Wu for me, it begins with the killer i'll tell you that yes yeah 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 um and it's just that overbearing kind of melodramatic hitman uh you know with a heart of gold type thing uh gun ballet it's all that kind of stuff but this kind of belongs in that realm of uh, these type of asian films that you see kind of like uh mighty peking man or
2: well uh, and, and that was also danny lee as well as yeah. oily maniac
1: yeah yeah. Which
2: were all kind of around this time.
1: Yeah, and Terry Lou's an oily maniac as well. And I believe Dana mm. is in. She might be an oily maniac. If she's not, she was in the. I know Terry Lou from uh, Bamboo House of Dolls. She's in that and a few other things. I've I've had my eyes on Terry Lou for a few years. She plays the demon princess El- Elizabeth in this film. Um, but probably mostly known for. The, I'd, I'd say she's probably mostly known for this film. Maybe, well, I don't know. What is Terry Lou mostly known for?
2: Uh, yeah, no, this movie, as far as I can... As, as far as, as I can, know. I can't, think, was, I can't think of too much else that uh, she was like off in, the
1: top of my head. Yeah, she was in The Oily Maniac, and she was in some of those erotic films, uh, those erotic uh, Asian films. She quit working right. in 83 and then came back in 2016. Very odd. But, uh, yeah. Um, but the the cast is good. I mean, obviously, you're not asking for a lot of acting here you're asking mostly no. for oh, no. performance. I know that sounds like i I'm saying the same thing but I'm not. Um acting is not the word I would use to describe anybody in this movie. Uh performance <sighs> is what I would use and that they're kind of letting the suits do the talking, they're kind of letting the science yes. fiction do the talking, they're kind of yes. letting the Well,
2: it, it's very it's very much in the uh, in the gestural scream acting yes. uh sort of uh sort of thing yeah. which
1: they're even letting the lighted consoles do the talking in this thing.
2: <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> They're even letting the uh the professors to pay uh, <laughs> yeah, do a lot yeah. of talking. Dude, it never it never occurred to me uh just how awful that thing is. Oh, it's bad. Uh it, dude, it it is matched only uh by his silver military lab
1: coat. Oh, and yeah. just
2: awfulness. <laughs>
1: But, uh, you know, but you're, you, I don't think you go to this kind of movie or you sit down to watch this kind of movie for performances. When you sit down to watch this kind of movie, you are watching for exactly what you get here, which is a bunch of fights with uh, rubber monsters and a yep. guy in a what looks like giant plastic suit. Yep. Uh, yep, not, yep. And, not, and when I say giant, I don't mean kaiju giant. I mean just the fact that it's disproportioned like the helmet's gigantic <laughs> but he really he really gets around in the inside the the costume and stuff and it works i mean i oh, yeah, really yeah. enjoyed the transition scene where the bionics are kind of hooked up yeah there's old school as old school gets when it comes to special effects they're just it drawings really over
2: well the whole thing is 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 i i you know i I, I would suggest that uh, possibly the, the best word uh, to describe this movie in its entirety, even at the point in time when it was made, uh, is throwback.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely say that. And I think it's it's got a, a general innocence and kind yeah, of yeah. Um, optimism to it. Right. It's kind of infectious. So as we all know, I don't love these kinds of movies. They're not typically my thing. They're more Todd's thing. Uh, very much uh and i can take or leave uh, most of them and i don't mean that in a bad way i know it sounds worse than uh when i say it out loud but the truth is it's just not a genre kind of like anime where i jump in i dive head first i'm just not that interested i've tried it just doesn't always compute with me um but then every now and then something will come along paprika not too long ago um some of these other films i see uh, some of these other kaiju films I see and I, I do like a certain amount right we talked about War of the Gargantuas and and there are films I do like but typically this is not where my cinematic curiosity goes um I just am not I'm not really just interested in in this genre and it it just it tends to not be a thing but like so many kids my age and your age and our age uh and I know a good chunk of our listeners are the same age as us because I see the analytics uh or is that analytics anyway Ooh. uh i like the cut of your jib i think that you know a lot of us grew up on this stuff uh whether i liked it or not it doesn't matter because i did grow up on it Just like uh if, I, if it, it'd be like me saying i don't like kung fu movies and then i spent a good portion of my saturday mornings before everybody went outside and went fishing or playing or doing whatever we did uh That's watching right. karate movies on you know martial arts theater or whatever um kung fu theater i think is what it was called here anyway uh we would watch these things and then obviously go outside and reenact them because you know that's what kids do and that's why adults are all around the world are always so scared of movies and the power of movies because kids will reenact things let me give you a heads up i read comic books and i reenacted those too i read mark twain and i reenacted (laughs) some of that shit too we built a raft one time after i read huckleberry finn and it sank like a fucking rock (laughs) So, <laughs> let me tell you what it doesn't take kids are naturally inquisitive and they're into things regardless of what you show them it's well, just
2: that only proves the uh, the point that they were everybody was right to uh, want to cancel huckleberry Finn, So yeah there you go there. the effect
1: Bing. the effects yeah the effects here are campy but there's this <laughs> there's this level of innocence and fun to it you know well it's, here, it's that fun kind of it? cheese it's fun cheese you know what i mean
2: yeah 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 um so I I mean yeah the, yeah, the, the movie's overload right mm-hmm. uh but I I feel that uh all of the overload in the movie plays into what uh Super Aya um called a, a sense of wonder yeah. uh which yeah. is something that he always tried to impart to his audiences no matter their age and and for me uh Inframan does that it did it back then it does it now I mean yes I I, I the, there are certainly certainly flaws uh, in this thing, yes. and you know, I, I recognize those things much more readily now. Um, th- you know, th- this film isn't as smooth as it was when I was twelve or thirteen. But then again, neither am I, uh, or you know, whatever. But are you talking about? Are you talking about
1: your general jib? or Are you talking about your body hair?
2: I'm talking about my jib and my <laughs> mast. Uh, but uh,
1: I like. I, still I think... like the mast of your jib. The
2: you? <laughs> jib. Thanks. Good for you. Uh, but I, I still think that this film captures uh the 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 sort of um uh this unfettered uh this joy of unfettered imagination yeah. that I think we all we all had. Uh yeah. I think at some point or another before reality took a giant shit on it.
1: Um <laughs> Which it, and Unfortunately you know, it does that.
2: <laughs> exactly. But that, that this movie this movie takes takes me back to that I, I don't know that I would call it nostalgia per se because I think that it actually it actually does the transportation uh, rather than just the, the window looking into, mm. uh, the nostalgia is, um, and I think that that's, that's kind of why this movie works as well as it does. It, at least for me. I mean, I, I fucking adore this movie. Yeah. Um, is it perfect? No. Huh? No, yeah. not yeah. by a long shot, yeah. but holy hell is this thing a blast yeah. from beginning to end. It moves, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it does what it says on the tin, Right. It's the it's the super and all of these monsters. Yeah. It,
1: um, it it helps it too that the film is only like what, eighty one minutes long? I mean it's 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 about yeah. the same length as uh Incredible Shrinking Man, which we talked about a few weeks ago. It's right. uh it's yes, about the a same. A few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, a few weeks ago. Not this morning when we were recording it's <laughs> not this morning at all. <laughs> yeah. A few weeks ago. Anyway, uh <laughs> I was trying to sell that, Todd. You kind of I I quit. Just like reality, you shit all over it.
2: <laughs> I shit, buddy. That's my job.
1: You took your mast and you dropped it right down, and
2: I, so I teabagged everything. <laughs> yes, you did
1: again. <laughs> anyway, uh, no. The the uh, the truth is, the length helps it because if these things are over long for me, they, they I tune out. But. Right. In this one, I was able to hang in there. Now, I will say there is a chunk of this movie, though, that I still find rather boring. the mm-hmm. The chunk where they zombie fire one of the guys, Chu Ming. Yeah, yeah, Chu who, Ming. Who
2: you 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 know that he's the wink, the the weakest link <laughs> because it's just how focused. Uh, they are on him just cowering early on. Yes. So you know you, you it's the, you see him you're like ah oh, that fucker yeah. he's gonna be crazy he's gonna
1: crack yeah. Well, and it doesn't help that when he comes back he is you know he's wearing more eyeshadow shadow than anybody in the movie. So yes. it's like clearly he's a zombie at this point because you know
2: exactly and what? nobody and everybody's just like kind of like oh that's
1: suspicious. Uh, we thought the monsters caught you.
2: You know, you know what I love is that <laughs> after he fries one of the the guards, <laughs> the dead guard, the, the other guy, the, one of the Bruce Lees, uh, comes it comes right at the in and he goes, "It was tu Ming, He's over there." And it's like, "What? I I, I thought you were dead." <laughs> yeah. He's very lively for a dead guy.
1: Yeah, uh, and there's there's other things to kind of sum up this movie uh, in a way. There's a lot of rubber monsters, but they're kind of fun oh, because yeah. they're all kind of yeah. unique and different, yeah. and so it's kind of like a video game in that way. But, uh, you know, again, I made a joke about it earlier, but, I mean, there's a lot of consoles and a lot of lights in this movie. Maybe more than any movie possibly ever made. I want to say that, but, I mean, (laughs) you know there's got to be another one. But, I mean, Jesus, do they get the most out of lit consoles (laughs) in this movie and lights beeping and going off and everything. They get their money's worth. They are going to use every last one of those
2: they uh, stayed on teat with the uh the light budget yes,
1: yes. the light budget was strictly on teat no, <laughs> no doubt <laughs> no doubt but it, it's 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 crazy uh just how much of that there is i know it sounds funny saying that out loud but if you see the movie you're gonna you're gonna remember my comment you're gonna think jesus he was right like they cannot yes. get away from these consoles <laughs>
2: uh uh-uh. and they spin and everything
1: yep um a few other things. the The fights are a little, I think, sped up, but I think they have to be because you got guys in rubber suits, right? Which,
2: yeah, but it's it's not, it's really it's not as noticeable no. uh, as it is in some of their other stuff when they would yeah. uh, when they would do the undercranking
1: one uh, of the, shtick. one of the other weird things I noticed in this movie is whenever there's a motorcycle on scene, they use the same motorcycle sound every time. <laughs> yeah, it's it really obnoxious. Well, when I, when
2: I kinda, <laughs> what I was kind of surprised by uh, was actually, you know, since they were ripping so much off of the uh, the Japanese tokusatsu stuff, is that they didn't have uh, the patented uh, uh, car tires screeching no matter how fast or, you know, how much of a turn radius yeah, the car is making. Yeah, yeah.
1: But they, they, there's a lot of motorcycles in this. And a lot of there's that yeah. a lot they of like ill yeah, fitting motorcycle helmet motorcycle it's helmets.
2: It's almost the uh, the Hells <laughs> Angels, uh, angels on <laughs> yeah. wheels of the, yeah. of Chinese uh, yeah FX movies. Hey, so
1: some of the fun of this movie though too is watching Infra disperse of these baddies. So <laughs> yeah, everybody well, yeah. everybody kind of gets a unique death, and that's kind of fun. Yep. Uh, that's one yep. of the more fun things about the movie actually. And let me tell you that make or break for me uh it, it's it's between two scenes i haven't decided which one it's either the creation of the Inframan with the great uh uh, uh what's the, what was the name of that guy was it was a john what was the name of that character that we used to be on tv that wore the bodysuit that had all your organs on the outside oh,
2: uh slim good slim Goodbody. Uh,
1: yeah it's either the slim good drawings on Inframan himself or <laughs> or which is what they are right i mean that's what they are <laughs> They're like bionic slim goodbody drawings.
2: Slim goodbody was like the Leo Sayer of guys in fucking. Yeah.
1: There was a Leo Sayer slash Doug Henning uh, <laughs> element <laughs> too. We're showing our age, big time. We really oh are. Oh my god! <laughs> what the fuck? He didn't show all the pot he was smoking, what it was doing <laughs> to his body. <laughs> god Almighty! Oh anyway, uh, but. Can I tell you how much I enjoyed the lizard death and the beheadings? Yeah. And how many times they Dude, go and, through?
2: It, <laughs> that, that is so sublime. That, that okay. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, So we, 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 okay. As long as we're touched on the FX, yeah, they're cheap and rubbery as fuck. Yes. Uh, and I think that I I think that's all the more delightful for it because yes. you can clearly see the velcro flaps. Oh yeah. Uh, up the back of the monster suits, you can clearly see like their their whatever shoes they were wearing. Oh yeah. Uh, on set that day, but <laughs> the, the the designs I think are visually great. You know because it's somewhere between. Uh, HR Puff and stuff, and uh, the Gabra uh monster from oh, Godzilla's yeah. Revenge, yeah, yeah, uh, and and all of their gimmicks because you, you kind of touched on this, are, they're equ- equally inventive, so like the tree guy can not only, you know, he, he not only can make giant plant tentacles, he can turn, he can uh, teleport, you know, the, 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 through, through the uh, what I like yeah. to call the Tweedledee robots, yeah. which through, I love. Yeah. They like, they'll eject their heads and their mace hands on these giant slinkies mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that then, you know, he obviously turns on that because he, he makes it into the, the greatest, the greatest um, peccadillo that every child who ever owned a slinky had. It yeah. was when you, you fucking got it twisted up and you couldn't untwist it. Oh, my God.
1: That uh, was the worst. And then,
2: and then the Princess Dragon Mom character, you know, yeah, she can regenerate her heads, which leads to this really bizarre visual <laughs> of her standing there amid, like, five fucking rubber <laughs> dragon heads yeah, uh, towards you. You know, and, and the Inferman himself is great design, uh, you know, with that that head or the helmet or whatever that's both robotic and alien. Yeah. And it, it's oddly it's oddly comforting and human, kind of like, uh, like Optimus Prime.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, it's both alien so, and human. It's both it's it has those big eyes which make it kind of yes. weird. And then it has that kind of Power Ranger feel. So if anybody doesn't know what we're talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine younger folks may remember the Power Rangers. And uh, the Power Rangers kind of uh they had this kind of look to them. And that and that's what a lot of this reminds me of. Uh this is better than the Power Ranger stuff, but um
2: yeah. well it's 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 somehow it somehow Less juvenile and more juvenile yeah. at the same time.
1: Well, the Power Ranger stuff is really undercranked too. I mean, it's it's super well, yeah, undercranked. Yeah. Whereas this is maybe only slightly undercranked on some of the more rubbery monsters, uh, like the Plant Monster. I remember it being undercranked there a little bit because obviously that suit would have probably been. I think that's one of the longer fights in the film. Uh, that yes. suit would have been a little cumbersome for whoever's in that thing. But but it, no it, I mean it all works. I mean uh, I got to be honest with you. I started watching this and I was like, oh man, I'm really not going to be into this. I mean, I had my I had my time in the sun with Ultraman and all those kinds of things. I did all that stuff, but it's it's stuff I've never went back and revisited. Like it doesn't mean a lot to me like it does to some folks including yourself. So, yes. it, you know, it's it's not a it's not a personal slight whatsoever. It just, you know, so, like I said, it, some people it computes like all those consoles in this movie and some people it doesn't and i'm one of those folks where it just doesn't always compute i like the art style and i like the posters that come from this kind of stuff and i like the general aesthetic i always have always liked that and i like video games i mean i think i've talked about my love of video games on the show and so the japanese were very heavily on you know influential on video games and a lot of their cultural stuff their films and everything else, uh, and the Chinese as well. I mean, again, this is China's take on a Japanese-type thing, but all those elements are there for this Asian culture that kind of come through in both of some of our electronic entertainment, the manga and stuff, which I went through a manga phase. And not as much as the kids do nowadays, because there's so much manga available now. I think when me and you were kids, there wasn't very much manga available. I mean, we really had to hunt for that shit. Uh, okay. If we really wanted to get into manga, we had to really, really dig for it. Nowadays, you can go to a a big commercial bookstore and there'd be shelves of that shit i mean yes. there's so much manga now i don't even know what's going on uh and some of it's pretty good i've read some of it i read the battle royal one and i read uh quite a few others it's awkward some of it some of it is incredibly awkward and sexually explicit with the young characters in it and it's a bit
2: yeah strange it's
1: cringy. <laughs> yeah it's a bit it's a bit strange that it's that nobody has said anything but that's probably because nobody knows how to read it because you got to read it backwards uh, well, the actual, <laughs>
2: the, the, between that and the, uh, the, 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 the 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 homoeroticism is out of control. Yeah, way out of in control. some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, but also kind of quaint and kind of fun in a weird way. And that's That's, sure. that's kind of what sure. the cultural thing is. Kind of like the schoolgirl thing, you know, from Japan. I mean, it's an odd thing. Oh yeah. Uh, it's Listen, odd uniform, and awkward.
2: Uniforms in general have always been a fetish for all kinds of guys.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna, I'm I'm not, just, I'm just gonna I'm leave not, that comment there. Yeah, leave it. that one hanging. That would be the good way to do uh, that. But that's fucking right. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about that any further than that. Uh uh-uh, uh um, fucker hang. But I did enjoy this movie and it was uh it was kinda fun to watch something like this because it's uh, you know, a couple weeks back, wink wink, we uh reviewed a couple <laughs> of high end science fiction films. But this week, wink wink, we are uh <laughs> Reviewing some more, a more pop cultural type of science fiction film, and that's what this is—kind of more a piece of bubble gum compared to the the steak that was the uh, the ones we did a couple weeks ago, right, Todd? Wink, wink.
2: Yes, back then (laughs) when I was younger.
1: Yes, you were at least two weeks younger. Anyway, uh, I'll kick it over to you for your thoughts on this. (laughs)
2: Let
1: you go on it for a little bit here.
2: All righty then. so yeah, uh, so this movie was was um, a huge, 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 huge part of my my uh, growing up, uh, and my um, my film education. You know, and up until this point, you know, I obviously I was I was very familiar with the, the Godzilla and the Gamera film series, and I had seen a couple of uh, Johnny Sacco uh, episodes uh, while on vacation in New Jersey uh, as a child, and it was one of those things that. Um, completely blew my wig off and remained elusive, uh, for, for many years. Um, but I, I, I had no, uh, frame of reference for stuff like, uh, Ultraman or, or Kamen Rider or, uh, Kamen Rider, however it's pronounced, or Specterman uh, outside of the sort of side reference to that type of thing with the Jet Jaguar character in Godzilla vs. Megalon, because these shows, uh, they simply didn't play where I lived, or if they did, I had no idea that they existed because I had no idea, you know, what day and what time they were on. Um, you, know, you know, cue the, uh, the lamentation for how things were so much better back then because of how much harder they were, which I guess, you know, could apply to multiple things in life. But um, anyway, uh, seeing Inferman uh, was another of those experiences that, that just absolutely ripped me a new one, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, I remember vividly. Uh, the oversized uh, display box, and I remember that there was only one place where it could be rented, um, if if memory serves, uh, which would be a Hollywood Video on on Church Street. So, needless to say, there were, er, there were a great many trips on my bike uh, there in my youth, uh, and I'm I'm kind of amazed that um, they didn't have to buy a new copy from how many times that I, I rented and watched this thing. But then again, <laughs> by that same token, maybe I was the only one doing it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the story of the movie, it's, I mean, it's simplicity itself. It's monsters show up, every man fights them. Uh, there's, that's it. Uh, there's, there's nothing in the way of character development. All these people are, uh, in the, uh, the, the parlance of, uh, drug pushers unstepped on. Um, and I think that this falls in line with some of the more, uh, this movie falls in line, uh, with some of the more ostentatious movies from Shaw brothers around about this time. Uh, and then going forward where the, the fantasy elements are really amped up. Black magic, uh, came out the same year as did flying G- guillotine. I almost said guillotine. Uh, but we're, you know, you got to remember that, uh, by that same token, as much as this feels like later, we're still three years away from five deadly venoms. Yeah. Uh, and even further, uh, from stuff like, uh, bat without wings yeah. where you had the, the fantastic Gene Simmons <laughs> makeup ripoff, uh, Oh my God. I love that so much. Anyway. Uh, so inframan then is, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of, uh, poking a a toe in the water, uh, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. or at least I would suggest that for for the studio. Uh, and while I'm, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that they never really followed up on it. I mean, there's this hinted at infragirl sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, they never, they never went anywhere with it. Uh, I I I would argue that this movie a hundred percent influenced uh many of uh, Shaw Brothers' future productions. Uh I could be wrong. I'm sure there are people who know far more about the studio uh and the goings on and everything else than I do. Mm. Um but uh that is uh that's how I look at it. Um so Let's see. What else have I got? Yeah, I don't have an. Not I really.
1: I don't know enough to know, but I, I, I think your comment there is pretty spot on. Oh, well, I like to think so. Yeah, and for the record, I master, Fly, master of the flying guillotine is one of my favorite kung fu movies. No, no, I've no. I'm
2: just, this was just this was just the flying guillotine. This was a oh, master oh, of the flying guillotine.
1: There's oh, master. Uh,
2: this was yeah. No, no, no. There was there was two flying guillotine movies. I think with T Lung. I might be wrong about that. Um, but they came out right around this time, like one after the other. But Master of Flying Guillotine was the Jimmy Wang Yu Ye- movie.
1: Yes, I believe so. Yes.
2: Uh yeah, that that came out I think a little bit, a little bit after, uh, just a, a short uh, while after. Yep. Um, but the, yeah, the, those two Flying Guillotine movies are actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, they're fun. Uh, so the flying Guillotine. It's such, it's such a great, ridiculous cinematic weapon.
2: Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, uh, I had, uh, I had forgotten, uh, on this watcher, um, just how apocalyptic, uh, the opening of this movie is. I mean, it's in nothing, nothing but conflagration. Uh, and there are some pretty, uh, there's some pretty, um, risky looking fire stunts going on there. Uh, and, and in fact, throughout the movie, there's pyrotechnics all over the joint. Uh, I don't know if they took, uh, footage from, um, from other movies for some of the, uh, the destruction shots. Uh, but I, I, it kind of feels like they did since, I mean, it really seems like an awful lot of squeeze for very little juice, mm. uh, for how much this stuff is used in the, uh, the beginning of the movie. Um, I am a hundred percent convinced that the, uh, the makers of the masters of the universe toys uh, took a lot of inspiration from the, uh, the Mount <laughs> devil set.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, because dude, you look at that thing and you're like, Holy fuck. I had that in my parlor at some point or another. <laughs> and we called it castle Grayskull. Oh Grayskull nice. um, or snake mountain. <laughs> um, so, um, this is the, uh, the, the sort of movie where every single thing from fighting to talking is done with like the maximum amount of effort. Uh so you know like everything and, and it it helps a lot that that uh, just about every character is also drenched in sweat uh especially Tooming poor Tooming. Oh boy. Um but uh so yeah there's that uh I I kind of love that uh the uh, the professor has a uh, a copy of Dennis Wheatley's The Devil and His Works I believe it was uh just laying around his living room uh in the same way uh that I love that uh, princess dragon mom has this really you know uh pretty pink sheer cape uh tied around her uh, throat mm. while she's you know this vicious uh monster character uh and it's these these really odd uh incongruities that that kind of force you or force me uh to add some manner of uh depth to these things because you know even though you know deep down that likely these were just kind of like throwaways. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, but that's in there. They're, they're showing me that I, I'm seeing it. So I mean, obviously that has to be, you know, maybe, maybe they were just like, eh, just pick this up. Yeah. But, but, but maybe not. So I, maybe I'm, I'm giving a little more credit than, uh, than what's due. And that's, you know, Hey buddy, that's, uh, that has been my raison d'etre to, uh, mutilate the French. Uh, language a little bit more. Um, there is an awful lot, a lot, lot, lot of uh, dummy abuse in this thing. Not just dummy deaths, dummy abuse. Uh, they are getting flung around thither and yon uh, all throughout uh, the uh, the super Man. uh and it just is fucking, it's wonderful. Um, so then, finally, uh, my question to you would be: Did you watch this dubbed or subbed? uh subbed okay all right because i i mean this is one of those things where uh i y- y- you get to a point where you can you have the option to watch it either way mm-hmm. uh and i think that you know normally the way that i approach these kind of things and maybe this is like a film snot kind of thing uh is that if it's a first time watch i'll watch it sub mm-hmm. uh but if it's something that you know i've i'm so used to, uh, watching it dubbed from just, you know, that being the standard, uh, yeah. back when we were younger yeah. that I have to watch it dubbed now. Yeah. Um, same thing with five deadly Venoms. same thing with a lot of the, uh, the Godzilla movies where I, I absolutely have to fucking watch it with like the AIP, yeah. uh, dub on it.
1: There's not, um, there's not a part of me that ever, I mean, just for the record does at least with me anyway, I, I guess I'm the same way. There's some that I enjoy that are dubbed. I do enjoy right. master well. For instance, I do enjoy Master of the Flying Guillotine dubbed, but yeah, yeah. then there is some where uh, I'd rather watch the original. But it's not a film snobbery thing. It's more of a I don't know. I it's just more of a general. I guess because I watch a comfort thing. Yeah, maybe it's because I watch. You know, I, I I don't watch as much Asian film as some folks, but I certainly watch sure. quite a bit. No doubt.
2: Sure. Sure. Uh, We sound like we're speaking old
1: school Mandarin. Whenever we do the sure, 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 we always. (laughs) She sure. She sure, sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I always think of that whenever, you know, you'll hear me say sure, sure, sure. When when you're talking and stuff, and I always think, yeah, we're doing our Mandarin now. (laughs) She sure, sure, sure. (laughs) We sound so ridiculous.
2: (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, no, no, no. Uh, But, yeah, no, I, I, I had to watch it dubbed. Uh, I just I have to I can't help it. Uh, so
1: I would see that this would be totally fine dubbed. I mean I wouldn't think it would it would lose any effect oh, whatsoever.
2: No 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 no. Yeah, you're not losing any of the uh, the nuance of uh, Super Inframan by watching it dubbed. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that's pretty much uh, pretty much all I have to add to the conversation. Uh, so kick it over to you for uh, M- M- make breaks and uh, MBTs. Um,
1: yeah, I, I mean for me. As as important as the Slim Goodbody scene is, as much as, <laughs> and as much as I love it, uh, I really do love it. Um, I gotta go with the dragon beheading scene because <sighs> it is this moment of glee that you so rarely get when you watch movies. This moment of just genuine laughter and smiling from me. Right, right, right. And uh, you know, I'm a bit of a jaded movie watcher. I watch a lot of movies, right? Well, I think all of us that are. When you love something, you can become jaded um, because you have expectations. Uh, I love that even my expectations didn't bother me in in the least during that moment. And I completely forgotten about it. Or maybe they never showed it on TV back in the day. I mean, it is a beheading. It's not a graphic beheading, but it is a beheading. So maybe they never showed it and I never paid attention, but I completely forgot about it. And man, let me tell you, I chuckled and i rewound and watched it again and again i bet i watched (laughs) that scene i bet i watched that scene five times like i couldn't get enough of it it was one of those things you know you have those moments sometimes where you're like i gotta see that again and uh i enjoyed it so much that's what i'm gonna go with uh i'll say i gotta give it to the director here uh I don't know who the production is. You know what? I, I don't know if I want to give it to the director. I think I, the production design stands out more than the direction. Because I really like the production design. And I don't know for the life of me who the production designer is. So I apologize. I didn't write that I down. I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. I don't know off the top of my head either. So. And uh, uh, I apologize for that. But I will just say the production design in general is amazing in this. Like I wanted, yeah, to, hang out yeah. on, I wanted to hang out on those sets. I really did play with you know, like I could see me making like a really bad movie there, you know, like, and all that kind of stuff. And there's some pretty nice explosions too. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll give this a seven out of 10. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, looking at it critically, honestly, I, I gotta be honest with you. I went into it thinking, yeah, I'm probably going to give this my usual six to 6.5 with this kind of genre, but this one's just so gleeful. Uh, yes. Yes. And so kind of uh, bombastic, for lack of a better word. And I right. mean, it's got Princess Dragon Mom in it. I mean, just yeah, th- right. Think of those three words, and think of how awesome they are together. Princess Dragon well, Mom.
2: The, here's the thing: is that the uh, the She Demon uh, character played by Dana uh, is also known as Demon Witch Eye.
1: Yeah, which is great.
2: I mean, that's fucking fantastic. How can you not like that? uh so yeah, no, cool. Um so make or break for me I you know I am gonna kind of uh I'm kinda 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 go with what uh with what you were hitting at there. You know, as much as I want to go with the installation of the Thunderball fists, which I mean come on, in and of itself, just the name alone. Um but uh I, I will go with the uh the plant man attack, uh where we first see our titular hero and the uh, the slim good body uh, stuff there uh I think that uh, you know this scene really kind of has everything that the movie can offer um I think it's a hell of an introduction to the character, and I love that uh the instant that he becomes a superhero uh Raymar you know he instinctively knows exactly what to do and how there's like no learning curve here um It's just one of those more one of the one more of those uh wonderful uh, little aspects of the thing which leads to my MVT, uh which is kind of a cheat. Uh, again, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, the, uh, the aforementioned, uh, sense of wonder, uh, of this thing, which is really just an amalgamation of a bunch of elements in my opinion. Uh, runner up would be the effects, which are a blast, uh, absolute fucking blast. But, uh, I, I, I kind of have to, I got to go with the sense of wonder because this thing really, it really encapsulates it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, you just sit there and man, you're a kid again, right. uh, watching right. it. Well, I am, I, I'm a kid again watching this thing. Um, and not in, not in a, a bad way at all. Uh, not in like a, uh, uh, retarding ways at all. And I'm not using that in like the, uh, the pejorative sense. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I love this thing. And score for me, uh, I'm higher than you on this. Obviously I was going to be, uh, is eight out of 10. Uh, I adore it. Uh, I adore the living shit out of it. I, I, I will until the day I die um and uh yeah super inframan there you go
1: nice so that's our thoughts on super inframan um this review will be closing out the show when we actually post it so indeed <laughs> wait what <laughs> two weeks from now huh we're living in the future or are we living in the past
2: we are living in the future we are living <laughs> it's your world dog
1: so i have no idea what we're picking the week after this but we'll figure that out behind the scenes Indeed. You, you guys be safe out there and i'll say adios adios
2: thanks for listening
0: you can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnight at gmail.com